Welcome to Security Stories, where we're going to discuss the good, the bad, and the lies that come with being a security guard. Warning, this episode is likely to have inappropriate language and discussions involving violence. Welcome to another episode of On Patrol. I'm not sure how long this one's going to be today. You'll be joining me as I begin my patrol, respond to alarms, respond to sites, and respond to calls for assistance for many of our clients. And we'll see what we see today. Let's get down to it. So as we begin our patrol, we're on a typical trouble site. Lots of shoplifting in the area due to the local raw stress for less. Already cleaning up some of the alarm tags, anti-theft devices, price tags. Honestly, a lot of the times we just set them right out outside of Ross now. They barely accept them. They don't really document them here. The nearby encampment area has been clear, but it looks like they've moved further down the wash area, well beyond our area of operation, so nothing we can do about it. But it's always good to keep tabs on them, see where they're moving, what they're doing. There's a small drum circle of them down in the uh, wash now. They surprised me, I surprised them. And we can also see lots of evidence of theft just as you walk by. Discarded clothing, discarded alarm tags. I'm not going to climb down there and get them. Even if it were safe, you never know who's passing through at the time. And really, Ross doesn't do a whole lot to prevent their theft. And they don't really do a whole lot when it comes to recovery. So... I think I've mentioned it before where sometimes you will show up with their stuff like hey we recovered this Uh, some of it's not serviceable but some of it is and it's like "Ah, we don't want any of it you know just count it all as lost and you know they'll do that to me but they'll do that to police officers too it's like yeah no we're not interested in taking it back and it's just kind of uh, disheartening I, I looked at the, one of the cops' face when I saw that happen to him, and he's just kind of dumbfounded, like, like, no, no, we've got hundreds of dollars worth of stuff, like, back, it's here. 
like it's right here why don't you want it <laughs> and the store just wouldn't take it but here's what it is let's see here lots of discarded food so that's evidence that someone was here just kind of kick that out of the way Yeah, anytime your property's up on site, a wash that makes things a little weird. Yep, we definitely have new traffic down here, new cardboard. So it's possible that someone's going to move in or has moved in. So we'll just document it, take a picture, send it to uh, property management, let them be aware of it. They'll handle it however they want to handle it. You know, it's never going to be how you want them to handle it. Maybe you want them to build a fence. Maybe you want them to do some sort of uh, extra patrol. Uh, just something to mitigate issues. And they're never really going to do it. And it, it's a cost issue, and I get that. They're trying to make as much money as they can off as little as they can. I mean, if they could get away without hiring security, they would. But they recognize it's such an issue. As you keep going, you can see a lot of the old debris from rain that used to be here. And so a lot of it's just dry brush and branches now. A lot of this needs to be cleared out. It's going to be a fire hazard at some point. And what looks like, it looks like landscaping here just kind of pushed some of it into the wash. Can't see really playing the guys, get it out of the way and move on, right? But, yeah, that's going to be a fire hazard. Normally, it wouldn't necessarily be down where it is, you know. It gets enough moisture. But locals light enough fires in this area. And they easily lose control of them very often, especially in the winter months. So the fire department is very used to being called down to put out cooking fires and warming fires and then these small fires get out of control because they didn't build a fire pit they didn't put any rocks around their fire they didn't put you know, anything to keep the fire contained it's just an open burning fire and so wind might pick up or whatever happens maybe they fall asleep or they walk away from it leave it unattended and it just spreads out of control and so all this dead brush from all the trees from the prior rains that we had yeah this is this will burn up keep walking up and down you just keep finding evidence of more vagrancy trash you can see food a lot of it spoiled which i always found interesting uh, you think there'd be a lot more preservation on food uh, from homeless persons but that depends on the person. Uh, you know, it depends on if you're stealing your food every day or not. Uh, so some of them really keep a tight rein on it. Uh, some of them don't. They'll eat whatever and then throw the rest wherever. Go into the store the next day and steal whatever and repeat. Oh, here we go. Little device from an anti-theft. Comes with a little battery, little transmitter. Spool of copper wire, little circuit board. Actually, kind of interesting. You know, I'm surprised. Uh, 
in addition, some of them don't just steal all the copper out of these. I mean, it probably can't be that much copper, but there's a little bit in there. Maybe if they added them all up, because all Ross does is throw them away. So maybe if they added up all the copper from all of these, it'd be worth something. We did have earlier, uh, part of this property has a gym on it. And we had a vagrant male walking up and kind of, I already had the red flag. It's like, okay, yep, homeless male, vagrant, whatever. And I had to start going just through the checks, like, okay, it's one red flag, but how did I jump from that one red flag to, you know, right to vagrant male? And it was body language, uh, positioning, the way his head was moving, everything was hunched over. And I'm unsure of what creates uh, the walking style. I wish I could, I wish I could describe it well. Um, but kind of imagine a hunchback and then the neck arched to the side and then tilted forward like they're trying to hide themselves with their shoulder and with their hat or their hoodie and even if they don't have a hat or hoodie they're still trying to like hide their face with their scalp and then they're just walking like kind of with a limp like they might be injured but they're not, because like then if you see them, you know, try to get away, they'll run full sprint like a track star. Not really, but you know, all of a sudden, that body language, that kind of facade is gone. But just for regular walking purposes, they'll walk around like that all day. And you, if you try to imitate it yourself, um, it becomes incredibly uncomfortable. Like just imagine tightening up your shoulder and then leaning your neck to the side and then forward and then just walking around like that all day with a limp, like completely uncomfortable. Nobody would want to do that. So yeah, I don't know if it's a drug thing, um, a poor living thing, a psychological thing, an injury. Um, I question it being an injury because I see it so commonly. Um, you know, just like another repetitive kind of behavior, uh, you'll see them stacking things uh, paper stones bricks and not like they're trying to build something but like you'll see them on a sidewalk they'll stack up a little tower kind of like a kid does um, and so that's you know, one of those signs that you might know that there are vagrants in the area if you're just walking a property and you see they're on the curb a few inches high just small stacked rocks it's just something you might see then you go, okay, maybe I should look around in the area. And sure enough, you find, you know, somebody's bag. Or you find a sleeping bag, a small encampment hidden somewhere, a little hidey hole. And it's just one of those things. Maybe it's like a uh, kind of trail marker. A really small terrain feature that they know that they just have to keep a lookout for. Like, hey, if I see that, I know something's in the area. Then of course you've got your homeless script. Um, it's kind of like graffiti. Uh, kind of went the way of history, you know, from the 1930s a little forward. Uh, you know, back when you hear about people riding the rails, jumping trains, and stuff like that. But it still does exist, and it, you know, it changes from region to region. 
uh, little symbols that mean certain things. Um, and then of course it's evolved with modern graffiti. And sometimes you'll recognize certain ones and certain ones mean certain people. Uh, sometimes it'll just be like a tag, like, hey, this person was here. Uh, but then of course you also see writing. Uh, writing is a real common one. Uh, sometimes it's just scripts of paper. Sometimes I'll write right on the side of a building. they will be like, you know, John was here on date, leaving to X location on date, find me. So this was interesting. Um, I had to cut that short real quick to go check out a lot of yelling that was going around the other end of the property. And uh, homeless female panhandling with a sign. Uh, she's kind of known in the area. She does a lot of yelling. Um, if there's not a lot of traffic, you can actually hear her clearly. And I don't know if it's mental illness or just part of her act. Uh, some panhandling is an act. Uh, some of their behavior to seek out money or whatever they're trying to get uh, is an act. And kind of if you show that you're not going to be pushed around, uh, the act kind of drops away. You know, the whole, it really just is a facade. So the behavior just kind of completely fades and is gone. And, you know, some of it really is mental illness. So, you know, you have to judge each case on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, but some of it really is just certain attention or item-seeking behavior, you know, goal-seeking behavior, and they might act crazy to get something, but they're not actually crazy, which is kind of weird. But anyway, she's across the street just yelling. Oh, someone's trying to signal me. Uh, so that was actually kind of funny. Um, someone's key got jammed in their ignition and they wanted to know if I had any tools to assist with that. Uh, you'll find that happens very commonly, not that the key situation, but you being asked for tools, you know, Hey man, can you help me jump my car? Uh, Hey man, can I locked my keys in here? Do you have a gym? Can I, any way you can get me in my car or Hey, can you help me move my car or, you know, can you help me change a tire? Um, all of it is incredibly common and just, Hey man, you got a wrench, you got a screwdriver, you got this, you got that. And funny enough, I do actually have a few tools in the vehicle. Um, some of them I provided myself just cause I know I might end up needing them in a random instance. Um, and the company does have a few tools in the vehicle. Uh, but those are for vehicle use only and you've got our our use only and so you really got to look into what your company policy is on how you're allowed to assist now I've jumping a car I, I've done it before especially when someone's in a really um, you know messed up spot like not in a parking space just to help them get out of the road moving a vehicle yeah I've, I've helped someone push a vehicle you know we'll put it neutral and just push it um, but there's certain issues like let's say I tried to assist and I broke something in the middle of assisting them and all of a sudden they come after our company so it it becomes a thing where like where you want to help but it's like hey man sorry you're gonna have to call you know a mechanic you're gonna have to call a friend I don't know how to fix 
you know, the key being in your ignition and not being able to get it out. Um, you know, if I were to yank on it and break your key or break your ignition, I don't know how much that would end up costing me or my company because you'd be mad at me for breaking it. And you'd think, you know, someone trying to be a good Samaritan, they wouldn't be too cross with you for, you know, accidentally breaking something. But, you know, they are. And unfortunately, it took me a minute to uh, get, get that information across to her that unfortunately uh, none of us had any way to assist her. Um that she'd have to call, you know, a friend or family member or mechanic or tow truck. Um, the only thing we can call for her assistance is a tow with property owner's permission. Um, because if we call that tow company, they're going to call They're going to charge her just out the ass. I think a uh, drop fee is like a hundred dollars. And then for every mile, I forget what it is after that, but then even getting to the tow yard, they add another $50 on top of that. Um, so a regular tow company would be so much cheaper. Maybe something like AAA. Um, I, I think what AAA has that like 100 mile program where you can tow your vehicle up to 100 miles before they start charging you additional for each mile. And yeah, it'd just be way cheaper to hire your own tow truck. Uh, but, but people will come to you like, security, hey, help me with this. Um, and there's just certain things you can't. Um, I, I don't know why they, they come to you with it. Hey, like they see somebody who maybe they're like an employee. Like, I'm not a maintenance worker, man. I'm not walking around with a tool belt and a tool bag. Like, I just don't have the perfect multi-tool for this job. I'm sorry. Um, and sometimes they'll get mad at you and sometimes they'll be like, all right, man, just, you know, if you don't ask, you don't know, right? Well, at any rate, that's the end of this site. We're off to the next one. Well, I've gone through a few sites. Uh, since the last segment and I had gotten a call from the office to go and support a trainee so uh, somebody who's new to security they just got their license uh, they've never worked security before so they have no background in it whatsoever and kind of just picked them up from the office and we just finished the rest of the sites with them uh, so I hadn't had a chance to continue the patrol for this uh, segment but we just finished and got through their training, introduced them to sites. And I can tell you it was a day. Um, not that I'm not used to doing field training officer type duties. I've done that plenty of times. It just became an insanely long shift. Uh, what normally would have been, you know, an eight hour shift. So, you know, nine or ten hour, it ended up being over uh, 12 and a half hours. So, just a long day, um, but we got them trained up, and now it's just for them to get uh, confident, used to their sights, and we had a little bit of everything, you know, we had a wide variety of sights all over town, uh, we had alarm calls, and uh, we had a couple incident reports, so, you know, they got a whole wide spectrum of what the job is, which is good, um, I don't know how much I'd like to throw all that at one person in one day, 
Ideally, they'd like it spread out over a week or two so they can get used to everything, but they handle it all right. But the final sight of the day, before I finish up my paperwork and everything here, is show up, show them where everything is, and we do everything in a, in a vehicle patrol. And I've covered this on previous uh, posts, is you want to do a vehicle patrol because it allows you to be quick, uh, you're high up depending on the vehicle, you know, if you got like an SUV or something. So you can see more of the area. And you just see it on a different perspective than a foot patrol, you know. And you got to remember that when you are in a vehicle, if you're going too slow, you're annoying the people around you. Uh, if you're going too fast, then you're a potential hazard to yourself and others. So you got to go at a deliberate pace that you're not holding up traffic behind you even if it is a parking lot that you're not holding up people who are just trying to go about their day do their shopping and whatnot but also not so fast that you know if somebody runs out into the road you know some kid lost their toy or ball and runs out and you just hit a kid or some other random pedestrian because you were driving too fast and couldn't stop so go around make sure that they're keeping themselves at a deliberate pace checking everything and of course they're new right so they're missing things things that might give you that red flag sit there and go hey did you see that hey did you see this what do you think about that person that we just passed by and they go who what where I didn't see anything they're still new to observing and catching things especially as you're moving so after we finish our vehicle patrol, we go down to a foot patrol. So you can see things on a foot perspective. And that's completely different because now all of a sudden they're seeing things that they wouldn't have seen in the vehicle. Uh, you know, we're finding alarm tags, we're finding little shooter bottles of liquor, things that they didn't notice while driving around. And of course, we're going at a much slower pace being on foot compared to being in a vehicle. We're also able to check out little corners and crevices, and little hidey holes that you might not have noticed just driving around. So it's important to do both. It's important to get your vehicle patrol and your foot patrol. And, you know, obviously some people are gonna be really, really comfortable in the vehicle. I got a place to sit, AC, heater, you know, charge their phone, whatever. But you do gotta get out and do those foot patrols now and then. And while we're on our foot patrol, uh, we see uh, potentially vagrant female and we're looking at uh, unkempt uh, dirty looking um, dressed not normally so you know you don't know if the clothes are you know well chosen out or it's just what they were able to get uh, but they're what they're carrying with them is a suitcase like luggage and it's wrapped up in other clothes it seems to be hiding everything except for the suitcase handle and she sees us we see her and there's like this little moment of just staring at each other and then she quickly walks behind a dumpster and sets everything down and then walks off again so I look to the trainee and I'm just like hey what do you want to do because I, I could easily just take charge and say, hey, we're going to go do this. But 
the goal is to get them to start thinking for themselves. How do they want to respond to situations? So they're just like, uh, uh, should we go check that out? I'm like, I don't know. Should we go check that out? Maybe we should, but what do you think we should do? She's like, okay, we're going to go check this out. And lo and behold, check it out. It's covered in alarm tags. It's covered in price tags. All these various anti-theft devices and stuff all over it. It's from a freaking Ross of all places. So that's that's just funny. But I said, okay, so what do you think this is? And she's like, it looks stolen. I'm like, that's what I think too. What do you want to do with it? It's like, well, should we document it and you know take it back to Ross or call the police? Yeah, those are all good answers. What do you want to do in the moment, right now? What should we do with this right now? Well, let's pick it up. You know, let's go. We're going to have to go check it. I'm like, where should we go check it? We can go to take it to the store. And I'm like, we have a vehicle, though. All right. So we take all the stuff back to the vehicle, start walking it back there, because that'll be easier for us to be at our vehicle, to take photos, to document what we found, put everything on our reports. And sure enough, that same woman who dropped everything starts running up on us. And there's a coat on everything, and she's just like, you know, that's my coat, give it back. So, of course, we're in a defensive posture at that point, getting run up on like that. And so at this point, it's uh, less about teaching the trainee than me taking charge and then the trainee backs me up but you know for their part they did pretty good and i think they handled themselves pretty well so this shoplifting suspect wants the coat back the coat uh, doesn't appear to be brand new, doesn't have any tags on it, no anti-theft devices. So, you know what, relinquish the coat, but we're not giving her back everything else. And of course we ask, you know, what about all this other stuff with the anti-theft devices, all the price tags on it, it's brand new. All this new stuff is stuffed inside of the luggage rather than with, you know, shopping bags or anything like that. And she's like, I don't know anything about that. I, you know, just that coat is mine. Okay, now of course, do we believe her? Absolutely not. Now she gets the coat back and she tries to start reaching for things. She's like, well, that stuff's mine too. I'm like, you just said you didn't know anything about that. She's like, well, it's paid for. I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna take it back to the store. You can claim it there. They can check their cameras. You can show them your receipt, whatever. You know, cause with all these alarm tags on it, I just don't believe it. He's like, well, they forgot to take them off. I'm like, they forgot to take off every single alarm tag. We had about 30 items there or so. And they didn't take the alarm tags off every single one of them. Come on. One or two, sure. Yeah, you know, an employee screws up here or there. But every single item still had the tag on it. You know, don't bullshit a bullshitter. So she takes off. We're like, okay, cool. She knows she's caught. She's going to take off. We're not going to chase after. We got the items. We're going to return them to the store. And so that's what we do. Go and turn them in. And as we're doing so, we see her back on the property again. And it's like, really? 
man, you are not smart. But okay. Turn the items in. We're like, hey, were these stolen? Yes, yes, they were. Hey, I've got a picture from my camera of the person we believe that did it. Show them the picture. Is this the person that did it? Yes, that is exactly the person who did it. And by the way, there's two other people here in the area that we believe are with her, a male and another female. And the male's right over there. And I'm like, yeah, he looks sketchy as hell. And they're like, we don't know where the other female is right now. Well, of course, the male is uh, inching closer and closer to the entrance. We're at the entrance. He has a large amount of stuff with him, but he just sets it back on the rack and then goes out in front of the building with nothing. Well, of course, the female's still on the property that we know for sure took things. So the employees have all their items back. They're adding everything up to see roughly how much it was. And we go out into the parking lot to engage the female who was like, hey, they confirmed you stole it all. Police are being contacted. You are now trespassing. Get off the property right now. Doesn't do it. Lingers for a bit. We're already on the phone with the police. The store's on the phone with the police. So at this point, all we're doing is just documenting, getting photos. And of course, you know, we're on the phone place. Hey, you know, here's the suspect. Here's what they look like. The store is currently adding up the price of the items. We don't know how much it is. I think she sees this because she sees uh, one of us on a phone. The other one using camera to take pictures of them takes off, runs across the busy road. We're not going to chase them across the busy road. File a report with the police. Um, they said they're going to give us a call back. They got someone in the area. We get the items all added up. It's been around like $500 of stuff and change. And of course, when they call back, we're like, hey, we have a copy of the receipt. Do you want me to text that to one of your officers? Or does one of the officers want to stop by? We end up just sending them a text, a copy of the uh, receipt that shows all the items that they uh, attempted to steal, which actually just still counts as a uh, theft because they actually exited the building with it. And even though we recovered it, they could still be charged with theft. Uh, the male, he's just like seeing all this activity and he just takes off. He's like, okay, but you know, you get that gut feeling. He was going to try. And then he sees us there. He sees her on the phone with the police and he's just like, okay, I'm gone. And I don't know if they picked her up. Our shift ended uh, not too long after that. Um, and we followed up with the employees uh, a little bit, but, you know, I don't, so I don't know if they ever picked anybody up before. But, hey, it's a good show for people who work there. It's a good show for the customers to see, oh, hey, you know, security was doing something. Now, are we going to be able to do it all the time? No, we're not on that site all day long. It's another short shift. You show up, you check things out, you kick people off. And if something happens while you're there, you know, handle it. But, you know, if nothing happens while you're there. And, and there's plenty of smart uh, shoplifters and vagrants, panhandlers, that when they see you there, and it's their area just as much as it's your area, right? You're there to kick them off, enforce property rules, maybe local ordinances, contact the police, etc. But they also live and operate in that area okay for whatever their purposes are and more than likely they are watching you even if it's just across the street or hiding out somewhere they're observing you and they notice real quick oh if you're not here for eight hours 
okay, we'll wait you out. Your shift's only an hour, two hours, three hours. We'll wait you out, and then we'll come back and do what we were going to do after you're gone. And those are the smart ones. Those are the ones that are like, you know what? We don't know if the security's going to be a hard ass today and Jason us all down, contact the police, etc. Or security's lazy as fuck and doesn't do anything. So that's why they watch you. If they realize, oh crap, your company actually does stuff, or you specifically as a guard does stuff, they'll take off. They'll leave for however long you're supposed to be there for, and then they'll come back when you leave. Sometimes, right as you're exiting the property, they'll walk right back on. And it's their little like, huh, yeah, we know, you know, we know. You know, they're doing that on purpose. Uh, the smarter ones will literally just wait until you're out of the area so that you don't even see them. Because if you see those people come back on, you know, you're going to remember uh, descriptions, maybe a face. Maybe you've got a good dash cam going. Or maybe you just pull out your phone real quick and snap a picture. They're like, okay, yeah, I'm not getting you today, but I know what you look like. We'll see you down the road. And that's just the game. You know, especially when your uh, property doesn't want to hire security for any meaningful length of time. Um, I've, I've done some where it's literally 20 minutes. You show up, you're there for 20 minutes, you're gone. Uh, some don't even have a time limit. It's show up, check on the property. The moment you're done, leave. They don't want you there for an extended period of time. They just want you to check on certain things and then take off. Because they don't want to pay for a whole lot. And it's starting to become real standard uh, for a lot of places to hire security less than four hours. And maybe they'll do it multiple times a day. Like maybe you will be there for four six hours something like that but not all at once not in one stretch you'll have a shift early in the morning then you go off and do some other sites and then you'll have another shift go off and do another site have another shift and maybe they did hire your company for four six eight hours but they've got it all stretched out you know scattered here and there so it looks like you're there longer than you actually are and you're not obviously and you are going to miss stuff um, it's not a bad option, you know, especially if like it's a client that doesn't have a lot of income for a certain property. Um, so like, let's say it's a small shopping plaza, a small little strip with not very many stores on it, or a lot of the stores are vacant. So they're like, you know, we do need some security presence here, but this site doesn't make enough revenue to justify hiring you for eight hours or 12 hours or however long. So we'll hire you for four hours, but instead of all at once, stagger it throughout the day so it looks like you're here longer than you are. Um, and sometimes that works. Sometimes you catch stuff you wouldn't normally catch. Um, it's definitely better to have overlapping security. You know, two eight-hour shifts, or if you're doing the full 24, great. But at the very least, while the businesses are open, if you can have overlapping from open to close, that's the best because then you have constant presence. And even if you have to rotate out guards, you know, like, uh, you know, you'll have one guard do a six hour, the next one does a six hour, and the next one does a six hour. And so that way you don't have the same one or two guys doing the whole thing, getting completely burned out. You know, just however your company has to handle it. That That is the best option is full coverage, you know, for at least while the stores are open. And then if stuff happens overnight, you know, then maybe they need to consider an overnight security. You know, somebody who just drives around with their high beams on and the spotlight and their ambers. And it's just like a beacon, like, yep, we're here. Don't be here at night. 
But looping back to that uh, female suspect, it was kind of amusing just how much she flip-flopped on answers. And it's like, you just said this thing, now you're saying this thing. Like, why would we believe you at all? And sometimes that's just like a form of panic, or they're just like, they don't know what to do, so they're just saying stuff to say stuff. You know, and it's almost like a, like a kid, you know, who got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And so they're just saying stuff to say stuff, and hopefully uh, you'll believe something and let them get away with something. But after that wasn't working, she tried to grab stuff, and it's like, nah, at this point, I'm not letting you touch me, touch my trainee, touch any of the stuff that's currently in our custody, and I'm going to consider it an assault. And so, of course, we put ourselves in defensive posture, we have defensive tools, and, you know, that, that, after that first iteration of that, I thought we were done with her, she's just going to take off and try again at a later time, later date, but nope kept coming back and kept lingering so it resulted in a 911 call and you know, honestly we weren't expecting too much cooperation from Ross because it's Ross but uh, the employees cooperated uh, far more than we're typically used to uh, lately and that was surprising so uh, we were able to get them a case number they were able to get us you know an estimated value once they scanned everything we recovered uh, we got photos you know, they were able to get photos to the police. So, you know, if the person shows up again, great. Whatever. We've got their photo. We'll keep an eye out for them. Uh, if the police catch up to them, great. You know, because we're the ones that did the report for the property. So even if the store doesn't press charges, you know, we'll at the very least push for a trespass. And then when we see them again, criminal trespass. Or if they attempt to do an assault again or another theft at one of the other stores and so on. You don't always get them the first time. Most of the time you don't get them the first time. It's your repeat offenders is what you end up getting with a lot of this uh, information gathering. Photos, descriptions, what they took, where they traveled to, you know, what they traveled with. Were they on foot? Were they in a vehicle? All this stuff ends up uh, putting you towards your repeat shoplifters, your repeat panhandlers etc etc I think that's where we'll end today's episode uh, it was supposed to be longer but I wasn't expecting to have a trainee today along with uh, multiple alarms and multiple incident reports and 911 call and it just became an insanely busy day. Um, what would normally have been an eight to nine hour shift ended up becoming uh, 12 and a half, almost 13. Um, so even by the time I got home, I've been doing a full traveling and driving around and set her for about 15 hours today. And so it, <laughs> it just became really busy. Uh, definitely like to thank our listeners uh, from America, Canada, Australia, Ireland, Malaysia, Singapore, and Brazil. Thank you guys for listening. Um, normally I'd say something about Anchor and uh, Spotify, uh, but it looks like Anchor and Spotify are merging, uh, just from what I've seen on setting up this podcast for this episode. And I'm not sure what that means for listener support. Uh, or for any ads that you might hear while you're listening to this podcast. Uh, if you would like to support us, I'm sure there is a way to do that uh, through the, after this merger is going on. 
uh, but it looks like uh, Anchor is merging into Spotify. And a lot the applications have already changed colors, they've changed some of the features, uh, so I'm still exploring a little bit of that. Uh, a lot of it still looks the same, but there are noticeable differences. Uh, so we'll see how that goes going forward. Uh, we'll definitely do another episode of On Patrol or another video review or uh, anything else, you know, just security related. We'll definitely do another episode sometime soon. And uh, just thank you for listening. And as always, stay safe out there.